Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week we're going to get some travel escapism with Liz Schaefer, the editor and founder of Lodestar's Anthology. As you'll hear, she's an Australian travel writer who came to London to be at what she saw as the epicentre of the magazine publishing world. And while she never imagined that she'd end up editing her own magazine, she spotted a niche and ended up getting sucked into the independent magazine Vortex. I was interested to hear that for Liz, the printed magazine is really just part of the appeal and actually it's helped her to discover new friends and communities and opened up projects like the book that she published at the end of last year with new heroes and pioneers. I think it's fair to say that Liz has done a great job of developing her magazine over the last four years and it's no mean feat to have produced nine issues in that time spanning Europe, Asia and Australia with India next on the itinerary. But of course you would never get her to say that herself because she is unfailingly modest and self-effacing. So I hope you can read between the lines and enjoy this conversation with Liz Schaefer from Lodestar's Anthology. All right, Liz, welcome to Somerset House. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Uh, I was uh, looking back at some past issues of Lodestar's anthology for doing this and I was reminded of a time in 2014 when I just dropped my little boy off at nursery and I came home and back then I, I was the only person who worked on Stack and I ran Stack from my house and there was this woman standing outside my house looking kind of confused and I said, can I help you? And this woman said, is, do you know where number 41 is? And I was like, oh, that's my house. <laughs> it I was remember, you. I remember this moment too. <laughs> Very first issue, trying to save money any way I could. I walked around London with those early magazines, dropping it off to anybody I thought was cool or might give me the time of day. I still do stupid things like that, actually. <laughs> it's not uncommon to see me walking around London with a suitcase full of magazines bound for the Tate or... That is, and that is the independent publisher's way. That's the thing. You, you get out there with your mags and you hand them out. We do everything and we're not glamorous and we love it. All right. So, okay, so you're, so you're still going and dropping magazines around at places, but maybe take us back a little bit. For anyone who doesn't know the mag already, what is Lodestar's Anthology all about? We are an independent travel magazine that explores one country every issue. And the idea is we're going to give, oh, I haven't had to describe it for a while, a holistic look at travel. It's about the creatives working in a place, it's about the history, it's about the culture, it's about the food, it's talking to people on the ground. So it's the sort of thing you read if you want to go and want to hit the ground and feel knowledgeable, or if you want to sit in an armchair and learn and see beautiful images and hear wonderful stories. So, okay, so I, I wanted to ask you, is this, uh, so this is a travel magazine. Yes. Is it a travel magazine that is supposed to be used by people who are off traveling and going doing stuff, or is it a travel magazine for people who maybe uh, armchair travelers, like they're gonna get inspired, like, you know, and travel in their minds? So the idealistic publisher talking, but I'd like to think that it does do both. By, de <laughs> by default of what it is, I mean, half of the pages are dedicated to these beautiful images that I get from the contributors every issue, and just, it takes my breath away how beautiful this work is. And I think that's gonna to appeal to anybody who's sort of sitting down and wants to just stare at something nice and have that moment of escape and somebody who's wondering where they want to go next and they see this and then answers their question. Mm. And the same goes for the writing. The idea is that it's transportative. You read it and you can imagine yourself there. And whether that's enough or whether it means you have to then go and book the ticket, 
beyond that, it's up for the religious that, exactly. side. That's not your responsibility. No, no. I'd love more people to travel. The world is a wonderful place. And I think it's good to see it and appreciate what we have on every level. So you clearly are a traveller. I can tell from your accent, you're not from around here. No. So you're Australian? I am Australian. I've been in London for seven years because for me, leaving university, this was the place where creativity was alive and well. Publishing was a viable industry. And, you know, it may, it may have been sort of wide-eyed dreams, but I do really feel that London and Europe in particular has such a creative energy and it's so fun to be here and be in touch with other publishers and be in touch with other people involved in, in creation, essentially. We're, I mean, we are very lucky to have a scene here. There's like a, in a way that like I don't see in other places, there are other cities, so like Amsterdam and Berlin and New York have really interesting stuff going on with magazines. But when I go to those places, what I hear is people saying like, oh, you're so lucky to be in London where you've got, you know, we have like little events and stuff and people coming together around these magazines. It does feel like the epicenter here. And it's always felt like that. Even seven years later, I'm not jaded by the weather or anything. It's, it's all worth it. <laughs> so, okay, so you arrived seven years ago from Australia. Did you know then that you wanted to make your own travel magazine? Then I knew the only thing in the world I didn't want to be was an editor because I knew it was a lot of work and I knew it sent you slightly mad but I did want to write and photograph travel related things and it just so happened that after about three years of freelancing I felt that there was this hole in the market that wasn't getting filled and once you get to that point that you've noticed that trend you start to panic that someone else is actually going to fill it and so you just throw caution to the wind and you start a little project that you think you might get three issues out of and then be able to walk into Condé Nast and be like, hire me. But you get, <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> well, you, you get attached. That's the thing that nobody tells you when you sort of embark on a creative project. You think you'll be able to walk away from it and you just can't because you grow with it and it grows with you and it takes paths that you don't expect. And, and it just becomes an extension of yourself and you meet the most amazing contributors through what you're doing and the most amazing support networks. and suddenly doing anything else just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, yeah. Magazines are a fantastic way of like bringing people together around something. You really do feel like you're part of a network, one that you make yourself and one that you make with other people doing separate projects. And that every time you have a bad day or a difficult day or you have to sit down and do the numbers and you question why you're doing this, you remember the people you get to meet and how inspired you feel and how connected you are. Yeah. So thinking about the type of travel that you have in here, so you're, so you, you, just saying before we started recording this, issue nine has just gone to print? Went to print last week. Okay, and that's France? That is France. And so you've now done England, that was the first one, and then Scotland, so I guess that makes sense because Scotland's kind of a short hop from England. It was very budget focused at that time, yeah. And then Australia. Was homesick. I mean, that makes sense because you're yep. going home. You know, So then after Australia, you've got Italy, then Sweden, then Canada, Japan, New Zealand, and now France. So you, you're you're covering a decent amount of ground there. We're attempting to. Italy actually sort of coincided, I think, maybe it was Australia, with us having a lot more contributors approaching us, noticing the magazine, respecting what we were doing. And for the core creative team, that meant that we could travel further, we could document more, and we could have this amazing content. And as a result, we could look further afield and get a bit more adventurous with our travel because suddenly it wasn't just two or three people having to put together a magazine. It was a big network. Mm -hmm. And then, so you've got a, a clear kind of focus between uh, Europe and like Asia Pacific. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very tempting to be Europe centric. Again, budgets come into that, sort of write what you know. 
um, a lot of far-flung places by default of growing up in Australia I haven't seen. So we are doing India next. I'm actually going next week. Wow. I've never been. But I'd also never been to Japan when we went there and I think that made it a stronger issue because I was going there like I think most people go to Japan with no clue. And you can read as much as you want and watch documentaries and speak to fellow travellers but you will not know how you feel about a place until you were there. Yeah. I mean, so like from someone in the UK, Japan is one of those places that you think of as notoriously alien. The, like because of the, the language and the characters of the writing and the, you know, you can it's, be... It's an entirely different culture, the approach to work, the approach to life, the appreciation of nature. It is entirely its own thing because it develops in isolation. But again, I mean, travel is so... It's so freeing and so welcoming. I think that you are more open to the different things when you're on the ground, that you're not scared by them anymore. You're fascinated. Mm-hmm. And nothing's as different as you think, it turns out. And so when you go away to these places, what's your priority? Because when I think of a magazine like, say, Boat, so Boat was probably one of the independent travel magazines that I first got into. And their, um, their whole idea was that they would go and uh, connect with local creators and give this view of a place you'd never seen before. What, I mean, that I think is very different from what you do. So what's, what's kind of your watchwords for what you're looking for? Oh, goodness. These sound like very obvious questions that I should have thought about at some point in the past four years. I think, I think it was actually something you noticed with our first issue, that we were quite rose-tinted in what we saw. And that wasn't a conscious choice. I think a lot of our contributors go out wanting to see the beauty in the world and wanting to document the fascinating and the different and the unusual. And basically, Lodestars publishes what people find astounding when they're traveling. And as a result of that, I do think we're quite positive. I know the view of the world that we present is very glowing. Um, and I suppose, that's, I suppose that was the conscious driving force to remind people that the world is beautiful and the world is worth exploring and it's worth talking to people and learning about where you're going and learning about your own backyard even. So this is travel as... Is it escapism? Is it? The- it's pure escapism. It's absolute escapism. It's. I sometimes wonder if we should be more honest in what we're talking about. And in France, in particular, we have started talking a lot about environmental issues because in France, especially with the winemaking and the huge farming industry there, it is playing havoc. And that was a wonderful way to sort of bring in a very serious issue and explore it in a very open, easy way. And I think India in particular is going to be a very interesting country to create a magazine over. I've never been. The stuff that we're getting in from contributors is astounding, but it is a very different history and it's a complicated history. And I think it's about finding ways to talk about complicated issues in a very, I don't know if relaxed is the right word, but a non-confronting way, making it a dialogue and making it a safe dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So who do you have working on the magazine these days? So the, but back in 2014, what, it, was you? it was me and a designer, and that designer has stuck with me. Um, he's a sucker for punishment, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, you can't be that bad. Oh, I don't, he, he is that good. Um, no, he's, he's been a gem, and it's actually been really lovely to work with somebody who has... Because, you know, both of us started this magazine. I'd never edited a magazine. He'd never designed one. And it's lovely. It's painful and lovely to look back at early issues and see how we've changed and got more comfortable with our roles. Um, we've added copy and sub-editors. I've added somebody to help with the business side because a lot of creators might find that they don't necessarily have that brain. And then the biggest 
the biggest change is the contributors network that we have. Mm-hmm. We try and bring in new people each issue because everything we do as much as we can is from experience. And that means sort of 50% new writers, photographers, illustrators every issue. But, you know, we try and bring them back because we get quite attached. Well, it's, and also when you get someone who you know that they get what you're trying to do, you really like the way that, like if it's a photographer, you like the way that they capture a scene or something like that's what you need. That's the, the core of your magazine. Yeah, and that's why I was so excited when we were offered by New, Hero, New Heroes and Pioneers to do the book with them. It was suddenly this chance to go back to some of the places we'd explored over the past four years with the network we have now and capture it anew using the team that we have, using the voice that we now have. So it was a very hard collaboration to turn down. So okay. we didn't turn it down. <laughs> well, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, you should rephrase that. So the, the evidence of that is here with a great big slab of a book. So did this arrived, I think, was it the end of last year that this Very arrived? end of last year. Right. So tell us, first of all, first of all, who, who are New Heroes and Pioneers and how did this all come about with them? They are a Swedish-based publishing company that focus very heavily on photo books. And they found Load Stars and liked the idea of working on a book, especially one that had more words in it. And we loved the work they were doing and the freedom it gave us in terms of somebody else taking over the publishing business side of it. Right, exactly, yeah. Well, because, I mean, the, 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 the typical independent magazine way of doing it is saying, well, we know how to do this. We, we know how to put words and pictures on a page and we'll stick a hard cover on it rather than soft and there you go. But that's hard work. It is hard work. And I think it was at a time that we were still doing three issues a year. I had to sort of take other work to make ends meet financially. And so to have somebody be like, no, we can we can do this for you if you just go out and create. It was like, oh, this is this is what I got into the industry to do. OK, this sounds great. <laughs> and so the, the book then is it's an anthology of stories that have been published in the It is. Um, Well, no, it's sort of, how to to describe this again. So it's nine chapters, and each of those nine chapters focuses on one pathway or journey we've previously explored in one of the magazines. And while we've used some of the photos from the magazines and some of the words in some cases, a lot of it is a re-exploration of that place, how it's changed over time, how we've changed over time in documenting it. And we did something different, and we also had three wishlist destinations. So I think the most painful thing about running a travel magazine is you can't visit everywhere in the world. The one question I'm given by people all the time is like, what are you going to do when you run out of countries? And it's like, have you seen an atlas? Like, yeah, we're never going to do this. But um, to be able to sort of send people out to focus on places that are beautiful and inspiring and lovely, but we just can't necessarily get to in the next two or three years was really exciting as well. Okay, so which were the wish list destinations in the book? The wish list destinations are right at the back and they are Mexico, California and Bermuda. Wow. Yeah, very far flung places that I would love to get to. The idea of a Mexican issue in those colours would just be mental, but um, mental in a good way. Um, but yeah, no, we, we sort of met contributors, and uh, our Mexico chapter is by the wonderful woman who did our Japan cover, and she is Mexican, and it just seems so right to give her space to use her to capture her own country. And so the, the book then, if, if you are a loyal reader of Lodestar's anthology, you will see this book and you'll see the beginnings of where the stories were from, but you'll find new content in there. Absolutely. The, the photographs, the words, the outlook, it's all quite new and quite different. It is an entirely new beast. Uh, but in terms of like your aims with the book, like when you're making this, clearly you have one eye on your existing readers. You want to give them something new they've not seen before. But something like this must also be a brilliant opportunity for reaching new readers. 
Well, I didn't realise quite how different the book and magazine industry were. It's entirely just different distribution networks. When you work with a company who's based in a different country to you, it is a chance to sort of meet that market. It was, it's just a different format for our team and the contributors to show what they can do. And if people respond to it and buy it and find Lodestars that way, that's fantastic. And are you getting any feedback from people who are finding it as the book first and then realising there are like nine print magazines they can get hold of? Web sales are quite good <laughs> a month after it came out. That was, that was a very nice thing to happen. But it was also lovely to be able to bring something out around Christmas time um, and have people buy it for that reason. I, I just love the idea of Lodestars, either the magazines or the books, being given as a gift. Yeah because it's, it's the highest compliment we can get that somebody thinks is not only impressed enough with it for themselves, but they want others to experience it. And every time you get an order with a gift message, I'm just like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> That's nice, I like that. And so with the, um, the book, I mean, clearly you, you're not gonna be able to publish another book this year because the- Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the, do you have thoughts for where you want to take this like you know this year and, and year after there's a lot of ideas in terms of where to take it the one thing i have found with having a business like this and it being small and you know, the creative network you have in london is you don't necessarily have complete control over what's going to happen in the next one or two years so much of what we've done that's been exciting and new has been people approaching us like new heroes and pioneers finding us and offering us this opportunity so as much as we have plans i'm my general rule in life is don't really say no to anything and see where that leads yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it seems to have led you a, a decent way down the path so far. Um, you're going to India what, this month? Four right? days' time. In four days, yeah. really? Maybe five. I'm not quite sure. It's a bit confusing after going to print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the, you're now in the period where sort of like you can think it's, about things. France is done, India is happening, Portugal we are opening to commissions, which Very will be nice. issue 11. Excellent. Okay, well, look, good luck with India and Portugal, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of these Lodge stars coming our way. Thank you. Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks very much to Liz for coming over and speaking to me. She was literally on her way to the airport to go to Portugal when she dropped in. And as I record this, she's in India. So I'm very pleased that we managed to fit into her schedule. If you enjoyed this, you can find lots more conversations with independent magazine makers on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for Stack Magazines. And of course, if you follow us while you're there, we'll be able to deliver next week's episode to you as soon as it's ready. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.